Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Here you go. Here you go. Incredibly focused is the nothing personal word of the day. It is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023, and I am incredibly focused on you, the fans of nothing personal, the fans of the NFL. That's my focus. That's all the NFL cares about, you, those who go to games, those who spend their hard-earned money tailgating, sitting, freezing your kishkas off, Guess what? We're talking about flexing. Yes, we are on a Tuesday morning. Lead story in my mind, because I love this. The NFL now owns Thursdays, Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays. You may say not Saturday, but I do. Mondays for sure. They're doing all these different deals. Just like in New York, you don't know where the Yankees are going to be on. They're on five different channels and five different days. Everyone's despondent. The NFL is cutting all these deals, streaming deals, non-streaming deals. Then the concept of the flex, because last year, Amazon's first year, billion dollar deal, Al Michaels is doing the play-by-play and he says to you, the audience, God, does this game suck? What do we do? Who's watching this? And all of a sudden, the NFL owners go to Minnesota. It's a little cold there. They get in a meeting and they start deciding things. That's what happens at owners' meetings is you come out with white smoke. You do a little pontificating. You send the commissioner up there. You do a couple leaks to a couple people in the media, and you say, here's what's happening. The commander's sale, complicated, but it's going to get done. Third quarterbacks, we're going to have them. Can't have wide receivers as quarterback. We can't have position players pitching. Let's change that rule. Then Thursday night. We can't have bad games. So here's the plan. And we couldn't get it past last owner's meeting, but we got it past this owner's meeting with a vote of 24 to eight. The NFL announced that the Thursday night games are now flexible. So of course the question is asked, flexing a game, that's really rough on the fans who are going to a game. What if you're traveling to a Thursday game, you make arrangements, for a week 14 game, you're ready to go, you buy your plane tickets, you're going to Pittsburgh, and all of a sudden you get word that that game is now Sunday and not Thursday. You've been flexed. You call up your airline and you say, hey, can I change my ticket? And they say COVID's over. You can change your ticket for $499. Hey, is the hotel available? No, not so much, much bigger rate, higher rate on weekends. Fans are very put off by this, very upset. The NFL owners get into a room and they talk about it. They then send out, this is so good, an executive vice president and the COO of NFL media. This is no schlepper. 
one of their higher executives in the league, they send out to the Wolves to talk about this decision instead of a very simple statement in our ever-growing partnership with Amazon, the NFL has agreed to give them the ability to flex no more than two Thursday night games. The reason is that as we start this relationship and try to monetize it, the union and the owners both agree it's in the best interest for Amazon to be really, really happy. And they were sort of happy last year, but we need him to be really, really happy. So that's why we're gonna let them choose their games if all of a sudden they have a stinker. But we're gonna make them decide 28 days in advance. Does that help get some owner votes? Did that help get John Mara to vote yes? No, it did not. And we're gonna make sure that no team can play more than two Thursday night games because they were never gonna be allowed to play more than two Thursday night games. Does that get any more votes? No, that didn't work either. How about if we go explain to the fans that in fact, we really are focused on them? All right, that I'll vote for that. Tell me what your statement's gonna be, Hans. All right, here's what I'm gonna do. Instead of telling you how important Amazon is, I'm gonna have Jerry Jones make a comment about Amazon because he's playing a Thursday night game. And I'm gonna make Jerry Jones make a very quick statement that in fact, the media deals are what keeps players getting paid so much and what keeps the value of the asset growing so much. So I'm gonna make sure that Jerry Jones says that, hey, the impact to fans, that's, you know, we thought about that, but only 7% of NFL fans ever go to a game. So we are taking care of the fans. We are focused on 93% of the fans and we don't wanna give you a crap Amazon game. What a bunch of horse hockey. NFL fans are watching the Thursday night Amazon game. It doesn't matter who's there because they're gambling, they're fantasy, and there's no other games. But Amazon told the NFL, give us better games, we'll pay you more dollars. So Jerry Jones gives his point of view. Then we get Franz's brother, and here it goes. When asked whether or not the inconvenience to fans who may have booked travel for a Thursday game that ends up on a Sunday, how do you answer to them? He said, yeah, look, we're incredibly focused on our fans in stadium. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't, I don't really like using that incredibly focused. You know how I am with adjectives. You know that when you say something, this is 120% super important. We seriously deny these allegations, not in a joking way, seriously. We are incredibly focused. It means that we are lasered in. We are gonna make sure that we take into account everything about these fans. And then immediately, we're focused on our fans watching games on television everywhere else. So we're incredibly focused on fans in the stadium, 7% of the audience, but we're only regular focused on the 93%. That seems like a pretty crappy business plan, doesn't it? When you only focus on your main bulk of your customers, but you incredibly focus on the few. We used to do this. Do you know how the, uh, the expression, oh, coca, a greasy wheel 
gets a spoon, a greasy knife and goes through butter fast or something, whatever, I'm mixing them up. But it means that we would get autographed balls signed by players in spring training and a good majority of them would go to our customer service department. And anytime someone called and said, oh, the hot dog was cold, or oh, someone was in my seat, or there was gum on my seat, or the team stinks, or Samson sucks, hey, we hear you, we're giving you a signed ball. Wow, that's awesome. When you complain, like you call an airline and you say, hey, I had a bad experience, they say, great, we'll send you a drink coupon, or we'll give you 5,000 miles in your account if you, if you open a frequent flyer account. You tend to focus on the people who cause problems for you, but where you should be incredibly focused is on monetizing your loyal fan base and on getting more of your ordinary fan base to become a loyal fan base. The people who do the complaining or the one percenters, the two percenters, or the three percenters, why would you be incredibly focused on them while you're announcing a decision that shows you're not incredibly focused on them. I don't know why you'd ever say that in a statement, but he did. But then Hans goes into a full discussion how flexing a Thursday game is no different than when they flex games Saturday to Sunday or Sunday to Saturday or one o'clock games to eight o'clock games or eight o'clock games to four o'clock games. How insulting is that to your fan base? Even the 93% who've never been to a stadium to try to convince them that moving a game from a Thursday to a weekend is the same as moving a game from a Saturday to a Sunday or a game from one o'clock to four o'clock on the same day. He even dropped an, and by the way, and by the way, we also move a lot of games from one o'clock to four o'clock or four o'clock to one o'clock, particularly as you get later in the year. There are games that move around our schedule and our windows. So we're gonna be very vigilant, look out, and we'll do our best to make sure we're over-communicating. <laughs> the problem with over-communicating is generally it can get lost. How about just saying we're doing the exact amount of communicating? So these owners basically get together and they're doing all these different sort of negotiations over these things. This is where decisions get made, but the platform for the decisions are done way, way earlier. So Bud Selig as commissioner of the of Major League Baseball, he would never take a vote where he did not know the result of the vote, ever. When Rob Manford took over, he followed that same advice. The difference is, Bud Selig required 30 to zero or 29 to zero and the Yankees would abstain. Rob Manfred is perfectly fine with the 24, with the 23 to seven vote in baseball, you need 23 to seven in football, it's 24 to eight. Absolutely fine with that. But the negotiations go on before roll call, before the vote is taken. So NFL knew they didn't have the votes to pass this last owner's meeting. In between last owner's meeting and this owner's meeting, they get together and they're talking about what they have to do to win votes. It's really the same as any sort of political drive or any sort of anything you do where you need a certain amount of support, you try to get that support before you announce whether you have the support. So the owners, by the time they get to the meeting, they will then have a presentation about what the situation is with the Thursday Night Flex. What's changed? 
in the resolution flexing Thursday games, what are we promising? And so they promised a bunch of things where if you move the game, when you have to know, the fact that it has to be 28 days, not 15 days, they tell all the owners that, that no team will ever be required to flex to a Thursday night game more than one time. The maximum number of Thursday night games is two. All of these different things that the Thursday night deal with Amazon, they can only flex two times out of their entire season. It can only be weeks 13 to 17. All of those things are presented. Then Roger Goodell calls for a vote. They go through it and guess who voted against it? If you had to just guess which teams. Giants, they voted against it last time. Jets, they've got Aaron Rodgers that are worried they're gonna be flexed in. Packers, the Packers voting against it makes me smile because they're never gonna be flexed to a Thursday night game. Bears makes me smile sort of old school NFL, they're not gonna be flexed with Thursday night game. Raiders, love it. Can't have Tom Brady owning a team that gets flexed to Thursday night. The Lions, the Bengals, and the Steelers. Interesting group of teams. Does that show you a few things about which owners are who and who's with and who's against Jerry Jones? Hmm, fascinating. You know who else didn't appear on that list? the commanders. Guess who's voting for the commanders in these owners meetings? It's not Dan, he's still suspended, but it is the Snyders. They still own the team. They still get their vote. For those of you who asked, and someone did on Twitter, David P. Sampson, whether or not Josh Harris gets to go to these owners meetings and gets to be a part of the vote, the answer is no, he does not own the team yet. However, there, when you have an agreement in place to buy a team, there is a part of that agreement and we're a little off the subject, Coco, I'm sorry, but it's a point I wanna make. There are certain things the commanders cannot do right now under Snyder because they have a pending sale to Harris. For example, it would be written in the contract, Dan Snyder cannot make a stadium deal. Dan Snyder cannot sign a new sponsor. Dan Snyder cannot trade the following four players. Those are put into deals as things that cannot be done while the team is actually changing control to the new buyer. So does Dan Snyder have a duty under the deal to speak to Josh Harris about what Josh Harris would want Ray Thursday night flexing? I'll bet you he does. Did Dan Snyder vote the way Josh Harris wanted him to vote? I bet he did. Any, anyway, I just thought you'd wanna know that. Was my, Coco, what are you asking me? I didn't, I didn't hear you again. Was my employment part of the Marlins sale deal? That's a very interesting question. So when the Marlins were sold to Derek Jeter and Bruce Sherman, part of the agreement, which I happen to have in front of me because my computer actually rests on the deal book of the deal. But in any case, there was a list of employees who the new Marlins were not going to assume, meaning if there were players or employees who were being paid a certain amount of money and the new owner did not want those employees or players, you get those employees, but you deduct their salaries from the amount that you agreed to pay for the team. So let's say you agreed to pay 1.2 billion for a team, but there's someone making 500 grand who you don't want and you don't wanna pay, 
you actually only give 1.2 billion minus 500,000 because the current owner ends up having to pay the remainder of that contract. In my example, I had several years left and I was not a purchase price adjustment. It was made very clear that I was going to continue as president and that they were going to pay me. Of course, I was president for a day under Jeter and then got fired, but they still paid me every two weeks for the remaining two years I had in my deal. Thanks, Coca. Thanks for making me remember that and think about that. I did lose the company car though, so that was disappointing. All right, someone has a question. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson, a soon-to-be branded segment of Nothing Personal. We hope. Get into my Twitter, David P. Samson. Ask me a question. It's from the movie Half-Baked. You know that. If you're new to the show and we're showing a high percentage of you continue to be new, which is great news. We're growing. Thank you for that. It's a movie Half-Baked. There's a character named Samson. Get yourself 69% baked, watch the movie, and then ask me a question. And if it's interesting or funny and you say hi, maybe it'll make the show. Hi, David. Hello. I just saw that Tom Brady is going to own the Las Vegas Raiders and work for Fox. Will he play too? How does this work? Well, I appreciate you asking. Let me be very clear to start. Tom Brady is an owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, not the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Mark Davis owns the Raiders. Tom Brady is a limited partner who invested, I can't wait to hear the amount, but I think it starts with P and ends with E and there's a couple T's. Pittance, for those of you looking for your thesaurus. I think he put in a bit so he could be called an owner. The NFL has to approve it because that's what the NFL does, does. They were discussing that at the owner's meeting. Not approved yet, it will get approved. Here's the problem I have. They went to Fox because Tom Brady has a contract with Fox. Remember that 10-year, $370 million contract he signed to be the number one announcer? Do you remember the fact that he's never announced a game ever? So we have no idea whether he's gonna be good. Do you remember how good their current number one announcer is, Greg Olson? Remember the fact that he's gonna have to not be the number one, but then Tom Brady said, I'm retiring, but I'm not gonna go right to Fox. I'm gonna take a year to really study my craft and pursue other things, and then I'll become the number one. Maybe they can do some rehearsals for him. So they go to Fox and they say, excuse me, would you mind if your broadcaster owned a piece of the Raiders? And Fox said, absolutely not, except they're asking the wrong people. Why aren't they asking the other teams? I don't want under any scenario, an employee of another team inside my clubhouse ever. Do you remember when Jessica Mendoza worked for the Mets and was a broadcaster on ESPN? Didn't last long. Don't want her in the clubhouse, not because she's not terrific. No, I don't want anyone from another team in our clubhouse speaking to our coach speaking to our managers, speaking to our players. Can you imagine if Tom Brady has a Patriots game that he's gonna call? Think Tom Brady's gonna walk in to Bill Belichick's office and say, Bill, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about your game plan. And he looks at Tom and says, are you kidding me? I'm not telling you one thing 
because you're going to go back and you're going to talk to Mark Davis or you're going to talk to the Raiders, the coach, Josh McDaniel, and you're going to have an advantage. And Bill Belichick, who is obviously overcautious when it comes to this or when it comes to cheating or filming, he's not alone in this case. I don't think there's one NFL team that would be comfortable with an owner of another team or a limited partner of another team being inside the locker room. So here's how the NFL dealt with it. And this made me smile. The NFL in announcing or in leaking that Tom Brady was being strongly considered to be close to a deal to join Mark Davis as an owner of the Las Vegas Raiders made very clear that he will not be an owner who has any operating capacity. He will not be a decision maker. He will not be in the room where it happens. He's just buying into the Las Vegas Aces. He's just buying into the Las Vegas Raiders. It's like asking whether LeBron James knows the signs for the Boston Red Sox. Of course, LeBron James doesn't know the signs for the Red Sox. Different sport. You don't see the people in the WNBA concerned that Tom Brady bought in. Tom Brady's not going to be an announcer for the WNBA. LeBron James doesn't call games. Although after last night, maybe he's got time. He'd talk about that later. That's a little teaser for what's coming. That was a good one, wasn't it, Coco, when you can do that? When you can think about a topic that's coming up to keep people interested so that the retention rate goes from 42 minutes to 45 minutes? I like that. The only problem when I do that is I totally forget what I was saying. Tom Brady's not calling games in the NBA, WNBA. He's calling NFL games. It's apples and oranges. So the answer is Fox gave permission. I don't care. The answer is that the NFL can try to convince you all you want that he doesn't have any sort of say in what's going on. I'm not buying it. Tom Brady investing in the Las Vegas Raiders is investing to be part of it, not to get a free suite, not to make appearances. He did that deal with Fox to be an ambassador. He doesn't need to be an ambassador in Las Vegas. He doesn't need an excuse as a single guy to go to Vegas. He can go to Vegas whenever he wants. Who cares? You don't have to buy the team to say to your ex-wife and your kids, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going to Vegas for the weekend. But I guess now he has the excuse. He gets to go eight weekends a year. It's absurd to me. This whole thing's absurd. And then the rumors that he's going to come back and play. Tom Brady is done. Tom Brady was done last year when he still had a uniform on. So my frustration with this entire situation is I understand that players want to be owners. LeBron's been clear he wants to own a team in Vegas too. Can you imagine having LeBron and Tom trying to get into the same restaurant on the same night in Vegas? I love that. The NBA dealt with this in their collective bargaining agreement by allowing players to be owners, except through a fund where they'd have zero say, they wouldn't get to look at any books, nothing. Passive investors. Tom Brady is not a passive investor in the Raiders, no matter what is told to you. So how does this end? This ends, I believe, with Tom Brady. <laughs> You're going to find this hard to believe. With Tom Brady not only not playing for the Raiders, I think this ends with Tom Brady actually never doing the Fox deal. And you're not going to hear that a lot today because Tom Brady would be walking away from $37 million a year. But the reason I think he walks away from the Fox deal 
is that being a limited partner in the Raiders, that's fun. Being involved sort of operationally, but not having the responsibility of being a GM or a coach or being the control person who has to go to owner's meetings, who has to go to the office every day, that's fun. Working for Fox every week of a season, he has no idea that grind. He has no idea how hard it is to be a good broadcaster. I think he wakes up one day after a year and says, I think it's all going way too well. So I believe that we don't need to worry about this conflict because I believe it's never gonna come up. I also believe that Tom Brady will not be a player again. So let me give you a couple of official wait to sees When we tell you something's gonna happen and we revisit it, number one is Tom Brady will never play for the Las Vegas Raiders. He will not. That's one. Two, a long-term wait to see. Tom Brady will not be the number one analyst for Fox NFL. Book it, you heard it here, and if I'm wrong, I'll tell you I was wrong. As an example, on April 14th of 2022, I said that Tom Brady would end up as Miami owner. That was my official way to see. Nope, I got it wrong. Right concept, wrong team. I got a couple wait to sees to catch you up on. For those of you keeping track, we have a document. I don't know if it's available to the public, but one of these days we'll make it available. Is it available, Coca, where people can see wait to sees and see pics of the day and words of the day and things like that? In any case, we keep track and then we revisit. On November 17th of 2022, when Bryce Harper was hurt, I said that he would be out through May of 2023. Remember, he had the Tommy John surgery. Bryce Harper's back for the Philadelphia Phillies. That was an official way to see that I got wrong. That's a no. Just a few weeks ago, do you remember the Glenn Kuyper situation? Glenn Kuyper was the Las Vegas A's broadcaster. And he said a word that you can't say. And he says that he said it by mistake. And we did a segment on that. And I told you that he was going to get fired on the show of May 9th. The problem is also on the show of May 9th, I told you that Bob Huggins was gonna be fired. Remember the coach who made the slur? Well, it turns out Kuiper just got fired yesterday, but Huggins is not gonna get fired. So I only got that way to see half right. So I guess that's a no. So the uh, radio station for Oakland fired Kuiper yesterday and he had to make a statement and he did. And he's disappointed. He did not wanna be fired as who would wanna be fired. He, he said, my next chapter is gonna be better. And I want everyone to know that I shouldn't have said what I said, but I take full responsibility. I'm not racist. Racism isn't a part of me. But then he said, you know, I had a 20 year career and it's really too bad that my integrity can't be considered anymore. I get that, right? In this cancelable world, I understand where people are saying that. That said, there's certain things you just can't say and you're gonna get fired and we told you it was gonna happen and it did. Do you remember when Jose Altuve got injured in the World Baseball Classic? Well, I did a wait to see on March 20th that Jose Altuve was gonna miss 12 weeks and that was the top side of what his uh, six to 12 week injury was. I thought he missed the top side. I was wrong. Altuve's back for the Astros. He only missed the first seven weeks of the season. That's a no. Look at all these no's. 
April 28th of 2023. I said the Knicks and Warriors will be in the conference finals. Crap. We got that one wrong. Book it. It's wrong. Did I get any right? Ah, let's do the May 1st one, Coca. On May 1st, 2023, Jacob DeGrom went on the IL, and I told you he'll be on the IL more than 15 days. Well, he's still on the IL. It's been a month. Good news, Mets fans. Jacob DeGrom felt good doing a bullpen. Bruce Bochy said, we think he's going to be ready. We think he feels good. So that's a yes. Of course, I know that he's not a Met anymore. The day after, on May 2nd, 2023, I told you the Denver Nuggets are going to be in the finals. I told you that three weeks ago. Guess what happened last night? The Denver Nuggets beat the Los Angeles Lakers, and they're going to the finals. We're going to get to that after the break, but we got to take a break right now. We got to talk a little bit about LeBron and about what happened in the Lakers-Nuggets game. And we're going to review a movie about George Foreman. So stick around. We'll be right back. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, all the things you do, and for joining us live at 8 a.m. For the group who joins us live every day, Coca loves being in the chat room with you, loves the fact that we can do this the way we do it, and keep telling people to wake up at 5 o'clock on the West Coast. It's not that early. I watched Big George Foreman. I think I paid 19 bucks for it. It just came out. There's a movie about George Foreman, the boxer. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. That's because how down goes Frazier. Remember when he beat Joe Frazier in DNC? No. Do you remember when he became the oldest guy to be the heavyweight champion? When he came back after leaving boxing altogether? Do you remember ever doing a barbecue with the George Foreman grill? Do you remember the 23 sons of Mrs. McCabe and she called them all Dave? All of his sons are named George. And he said that because when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. When one of us fails, we all fail. Well, Forrest Whitaker plays his trainer, the Academy Award-winning actor, Forrest Whitaker. This movie is not the fighter. This is not the best biography you're going to see. The performance by Chris Davis, good as George Foreman. He had to gain a lot of weight. George Foreman was, people don't remember. If you only know George Foreman is the sort of plump guy, what's the name of that boxer, Coca, the famous boxer um, who was so, so overweight? Ugh, I can't remember. Uh, he was a bald guy anyway. Butter, butter bean, yes. George Foreman used to be rock solid, like he had a 12-pack, and then he became Butterbean. So Chris Davis, the actor, had to do both, and it's pretty cool. So my review of this movie, if you don't know the George Foreman story, watch the movie. If you know the George Foreman story, 
you can skip it. But his story is worth telling because he was a part of a very, very famous fight. His relationship with Muhammad Ali is spectacularly interesting and it is given to you on the screen. Big George Foreman. I can't tell you whether you should pass or not because it depends on your relationship with George Foreman. Okay, rest in peace to Rick Hoyt. If you don't know who Rick Hoyt is, after the show in about 14 minutes, go ahead and Google if you don't mind. Rick Hoyt was uh, 61 years old. He had cerebral palsy. And he's the one who was pushed by his father, Dick Hoyt, through all sorts of Ironmen and marathons. The father would push his son because the son so badly wanted to participate in these races. I have known the father and the son through Ironman and through the Boston Marathon and through the Challenge Athletes Foundation, just through all these different things that I have done. I've known these two people forever and they're simply spectacular and now they're both passed away. I just want to tell you a two minute story about Rick and Dick Hoyt. When I did the Ironman, they were competing also in the Ironman in 2006. And the way that the father would do it, the son would be on a raft for the swim and the father would pull the raft for 2.4 miles of swimming. Then he would have him behind him in a bike and then he would push him in the run. It's just incredible. I couldn't barely finish an Ironman and I was doing it on my own. So when the swim starts in Hawaii, it's called an open water swim, which means you don't start on the beach. You actually go out into the water where you can't stand and you have to tread water while the helicopter's overhead, while they get the, while they get the right shots for TV. And then the cannon goes off and then you start. But what you're told is before the Ironman starts in Hawaii, don't exhaust yourself. So try to just stay calm and don't flail around with your legs because you're gonna need your legs for the marathon and the bike. You need your arms for the swim. So just try to get your breathing ready and get ready. I will never forget. And I'm calling you out. If you're listening to this and you're one of these people, how dare you? There were about six to eight athletes in the open water who were hanging on Rick Hoyt's raft as a way to buoy themselves before the start of the race. It made me sick to my stomach. But Rick and Dick Hoyt are way better people than I ever was or ever could be. They never said a word. Dick never said a word. Didn't say, get off the raft. I'm tired. He had nothing to hold on to. It's a big loss in the endurance world, what this father and son did. Rick Hoyt, rest in peace. Nothing personal pick of the day. All right, let me get rid of this uh, Brave situation. We had the Braves winning and they didn't. I don't understand what happened. The Braves were winning for nothing. The Dodgers came back, we took the loss. The second game we had was the Nuggets plus three and a half versus the Lakers. For those of you who are worried at the half, I wasn't. The Nuggets covered, the Nuggets won by two, the Nuggets sweep the Lakers, the Nuggets are moving on. We're now 78 and 76. LeBron James had the best first half of his career last night. LeBron James is 38 years old. 
LeBron James acknowledged that he is still better than 90 to 95% of players in the NBA. Last night, he was better than 99.9% of the players in the NBA. He played all but four seconds of the first half. You could tell when the second half was happening, he was exhausted. He was taking possessions off. The announcers who are Emmy-winning announcers, Breen and Van Gundy and Jackson, were wondering why LeBron is not touching the ball because he made it clear to his teammates on certain possessions, I need off. LeBron can't carry a team for 48 minutes. Father time is gonna win. The Nuggets are so much deeper than the Lakers. They're so much better than the Lakers that no matter how hard the NBA tried to get the Lakers to win the game, they couldn't stop the Nuggets from making shots. And believe me, if you watch that game, it is very clear the NBA wanted the Lakers to win that game. The referees wanted the Lakers to win that game. That's how good the Nuggets were. You know the reason, we've talked about the reason. The reason is simple, you don't want sweeps. So now we've got the Western Conference that was a sweep, and now there could be an Eastern Conference sweep tonight. The pick tonight is for an Eastern Conference sweep. A couple of things happened yesterday. Can you name, how many people on the Celtics can you name? People go to Jason Tatum, they go to Jalen Brown, they go to Marcus Smart, they go to Al Horford, they go to Grant Williams, they go to Robert Williams. Where are you when you get to Brogdon? Is that high on your list? Is that low on your list? Is he the eighth player you know? He was asked to speak because he's the one on record talking about some issues the Celtics are having in their clubhouse. How the fact that their defensive intensity is not there day to day, the fact that they haven't figured out their identity after being in the finals last year, by the way, the fact that when they play consistent, disciplined teams like the Heat, they can't match up and they can't perform well. They're down three nothing in the series. And what you're hearing out of Boston is that the series is over. There is no chance the Celtics will win this series, regardless of the fact that no one ever comes back from down 0-3. Miami is finally favored in a game in this series, only one and a half points over the Celtics. I may have it completely wrong, but I don't think so. Eric Spolstra knows that the Nuggets are going to be rested from now till next Thursday. Get ready, there's a big gap between the conference finals and the finals. For those of you wondering, why can't they just start the finals early if both conference finals are a sweep? It's because TV, there's a ready ABC has the windows where they're gonna show the finals. That's when the parties are, that's when the avails are, that's when the sponsors know when they're traveling. You don't move up the finals. They start when they start, the World Series does the same thing. It starts when it starts. It's like the Super Bowl. It is when it is. You don't want the other team to have a longer rest than you do. The Celtics know, excuse me, 4-8-69. The Heat know that they're winning this series. They wanna make sure they get the rest. Miami, one and a half over the Celtics. I'm gonna go back to the Braves-Dodgers series. We've got Spencer Strider, who may be the best pitcher in baseball right now, going against the Dodgers and the debut of their flamethrower with the five ERA at AAA Miller. I'm still taking, even though it's two to one, the Braves over the Dodgers. So those are my two picks for the day. So I'm watching the Nuggets finish off the Lakers and I was waiting for the post-game interviews 
because I knew the same way that after the Green Bay Packers lose a playoff game, the question goes to Aaron Rodgers, what are you doing next year? When Tom Brady would lose or win a Super Bowl, hey, are you retiring, you coming back? Someone was gonna ask LeBron James this question. And guess what? They did. And his answer is gonna be talked about on all the shows today. It's gonna be the lead on all the shows today. I'm gonna mention it because I don't wanna be feel left out. I get FOMO when there's a topic that interests me, even though I know it's gonna be talked about on every other network. LeBron James interviewed after the game was very clear that he doesn't know what his future is. There's the possibility he doesn't play next year. Sources are coming out and saying, LeBron James considering retirement, mulling it. You don't ask a player like LeBron James after a four game sweep where he had zero help, where he's so tired, his body hurts so much, and it's so raw, so full of emotion, you don't ask a player or even go with a source who says what they think is happening with what a player says or thinks or does in the aftermath of a loss like that. It's meaningless. It's like asking a person after a horrible breakup, will you date again? Or asking the mother of your child, do you wanna have more kids right after childbirth? It's bad timing. And in life, everything is timing. Know when to do what you're supposed to do to get done what you wanna get done in order to succeed, timing. So for all the people who are gonna come out today on all of your other shows and say, LeBron James doesn't have enough help, LeBron James this, LeBron James that, forget it. LeBron James is absolutely going to play basketball next year. He's got one year left on his deal. He doesn't need the money. Everybody needs the money. He's gonna get paid 40 or $45 million next year. He then has a $50 million player option the next year, which coincidentally is the year that Bronny could end up playing. But of course, LeBron James came out and said, all that's left for me is to play with my son, but I want him to chart his own course. If he doesn't wanna play with dad, if he doesn't wanna be on the road with dad, that would be awkward for a father and son to be on the road. And if it's not awkward, then it's likely illegal. So. Maybe LeBron actually doesn't want to hang out and play with his son. Nope, that's not the case. LeBron James absolutely wants to be part of the first father-son duo in the history of the NBA to be on the court at the same time. LeBron James only wants one thing more than that, to not play 82 games next year, to not go to training camp when it first starts. Major League Baseball players like this, remember Roger Clemens? Yeah, I may start in the middle of the season. I don't wanna go to training camp. Spring training, it's too much, I'm too tired. I'll join later. I don't wanna go on road trips when I'm not pitching. That was a good one. LeBron James is looking for accommodations because he doesn't wanna do the grind again. So therefore, when you think about what he has done, right? Think about the number of games that he plays, the injuries he has, the age of his body, the fact that it is now late May and he's still playing basketball and training camp starts. The season starts, wait for this, five months from now is when the next regular season starts. No, he wants a bigger break. So as far as LeBron James is concerned, 
Don't pay attention to what anybody is saying about him right now. Don't worry about him not coming back if you're a Laker fan or a LeBron fan. Just know he's not gonna play the full season. So I'm actually gonna do an official wait to see about this. LeBron James will come back, but will not play a full season next year. You can book that as official. I'm totally fine with that. But please stop interviewing players or actually taking seriously things that are said right after a loss. Did you see LeBron's face after that game? It was exhaustion. It was exasperation. It was despondency. Do you know when you're the goat or the second goat and you look on the court and you realize that you can make your best effort and it was beyond belief and still know that your team is not good enough because it's not an individual sport and that when he was passing the ball to his teammates who were missing shots or when he did not crash the boards and his Jokic was getting rebounds and not the Lakers offensive rebounds, second and third chances and you could look at LeBron's face with his hands on his hips, how upset and angry he was, knowing the level of incompetence around him and how frustrating it was, that's all normal. Don't worry about it. But at the end, when time passes, when he's been with his family a little too long, when he misses the camaraderie of the clubhouse, when he misses the life of being a player and knows that it's coming to an end sooner than he wants it to, He's not gonna expedite that ending. And on top of that, it's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Nothing Personal. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Yeah.